Hello and welcome to Wall Street Vision. On this show, we explore the thinking of the best investors and we examine lessons from the stock market. I'm your host, Vlad Dolgochev. This show is for informational purposes only and is not investment advice. Check out the show notes for the full disclaimer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wall Street Vision podcast. At the end of last week's episode, I mentioned that having a checklist is one of the best ways of adding skill into the investment process. So in this week's episode, I want to dive a little deeper into checklists and the overall process that investors follow when they're picking a specific investment. Monish Pabrai is an amazing investor, and he's quite open about his investment process, so I'll share his methods on this episode. Monish manages over a billion dollars, and he's had a really good investment track record over the years. This guy is the real deal, and what I love about him is that he so openly gives back to the investment community by sharing his philosophy. And he also just accepted my LinkedIn request, so it's great that he still makes time for the common people. Before we dive into that, let's start with a story. So in 2001, Peter Pronovost is a doctor at a hospital where a one-year-old girl was tragically taken off of life support. The girl died from a complication of an infection that she got from a catheter. You can imagine what the girl's mom was going through. She was very upset and came up to Peter and said to him, Can you tell me that this won't happen to my other daughters? Peter was really shaken, and he didn't have a good answer. The mom asked him, what are you going to do about this? Now, most people in Peter's shoes would have probably tried to comfort the mom and then tried to forget about the whole traumatic event. But Peter is built differently. And that experience led him on this long journey to see what he could do to resolve this catheter infection issue. I think he felt a strong personal mission to make sure that if it was possible, that he'd find a solution to the problem. Now, a catheter is one of those tubes that they put into the body. They use catheters to take fluids out of the body or to put fluids into the body. At the time, there was this belief that catheter infections were a fact of life and that there was nothing you could do about them. In 2001, 30,000 people died from catheter infections, so these infections were a big deal. The issue that Peter was facing is that doctors thought, well, these things just happen. There's nothing we can do about them. But he had a gut feeling that there's something that could be improved. He racked his brain for a solution, and he came up with the idea of going to the CDC. That's the Center of Disease Control in the States. They make all the health guidelines, and they had these guidelines to avoid these specific types of infections. But the guidelines were 200 pages long. They were too complicated, and they recommended like 90 different things for doctors to do. When you're a doctor or a nurse in the emergency room, there's no way you could follow 90 different things. It's not realistic. So Peter took the most important actions that made the biggest difference, and he came up with this five-item checklist. The checklist was supposed to help reduce the risk of these catheter infections. Now, the interesting thing is that when he took a closer look to compare what was happening at the hospital, Compared to the checklist that he created, Peter found that most of the doctors at the hospital were only following the checklist about 30% of the time. Wow, there was a big opportunity to make a change. He came up with a simple checklist as well. It was straightforward. 
wash your hands with a certain type of soap, clean the patient's skin with specific antiseptic, use sterile equipment, and so on. Nothing too crazy. All straightforward stuff that doctors knew about. But it wasn't top of mind, and it was easy for the doctors to forget some of the steps when they're thinking of a thousand other things. So they implemented the checklist and saw amazing results, and gradually they kept refining and tweaking it. If they had an infection pop up at the hospital, they'd go and investigate how it happened, and that led to more improvements. The whole thing led to massive success. These types of infections were down over 80% in a few years. His checklist has saved thousands of lives. Time magazine said that Peter's work has already saved more lives than any other lab scientist in the past decade. He even made Time magazine's 100 most influential people list, so it was a huge win all around. Alright, so what does this have to do with investing? Investing is another area where there's a thousand things to think about, and it's easy to miss some obvious ones. Like the doctor that forgot to wash the patient's skin with a specific antiseptic. Investors can sometimes miss important things that are obvious in hindsight. Guys like Warren Buffett have made investment mistakes on things that seem kind of obvious when you're looking at them after the fact. Now, they might be obvious, but if investors like Buffett have made those mistakes, the average investor would probably miss those red flags as well. (laughs) At least I know I would. So an investment checklist is a great way to standardize the investment process and to make sure that there's no glaring mistakes that are being made. Monish Pabrai uses checklists at the end of his investment process. Let's go over his whole process so that you see the master plan and so you understand where the checklist fits in the big picture. His process starts with scanning for possible investments. Monish does this in lots of different ways one of which is to look at the types of companies other top investors are buying. You can do this by looking at a 13F form, that's F like Frank. There's lots of websites that show this data. WhaleWisdom.com is an example of one of them. The 13F pretty much shows you any U.S. stocks or options that institutional investors own. So when you see a headline in the newspaper saying that Warren Buffett sold off all his airline stocks, that newspaper is probably referencing that 13F form. So Monish scans these forms, and from there he thinks about the business and how it makes money. You can't make an educated investment if you don't understand it. So he wants to make sure that he has an idea about how the business functions. Next up, he thinks if the company is within his circle of competence or not. And a lot of companies are not in his circle of competence, so they're an easy pass. As a reminder, the circle of competence is the industry or industries that you feel comfortable with. These are industries that you understand well. The best results usually come from investing within the circle of competence. And most investment mistakes can happen for people when they're investing outside of their circle of competence. An example from Monish is when he's looking at another big-name investor buying a pharmaceutical company. Monish will pass on those because he doesn't have a strong knowledge in pharmaceuticals. It's great to see such an amazing, accomplished investor admit that there's whole industries that he doesn't understand. That's a great lesson. It's a reminder that it's okay not to know everything and that investors should focus on areas that they're strong at. Makes sense. If you're an Olympic-level swimmer, you should stick to swimming. 
You don't want to go out and try to win a medal in track and field. After a potential investment makes it through all these steps, Monish will finally look at some valuation metrics. He's looking to buy companies at half off. He's looking for an investment that's selling at a 50% discount. So if the price to earnings ratio is too high, or if the enterprise value to sales ratio is too high, he'll pass right away. The overall process he uses is designed to get to a no as quickly as possible. When he's first looking at a business, he'll spend literally a few minutes, and if there's anything that he doesn't like, he'll pass and move on to the next investment. The whole point is to say no quickly and move on to the next idea. The reason Monish uses this sort of funnel is because he doesn't want to get too deep on a company that he'll pass on. His time is super valuable, so he can't waste it researching a company that he won't invest in. That's why he's super quick to move on if there are any obvious red flags. Next up, he would spend a bit more time learning about the company. Maybe he would check out their website or an investor relations presentation. He's pretty much just trying to get an idea of what the company is saying about their prospects and so on. And if a company makes it through, then it's time to look at all the annual reports and the quarterly reports. That's when Monish would start spending a few hours looking at the business in depth, always looking for why he should reject this investment. And if he's still okay with it, then he would spend a few days studying the business and the industry. Now the last step of the process is the checklist. So that comes after making sure that he understands how the business makes money and after making sure that the business is in his circle of competence. Before we dive into the checklist that Monish uses, I'll quickly mention that if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. And if you know someone who would find this content valuable, please share this episode with them. My goal for the podcast is to help people learn the lessons from the best investors and to help people understand the stock market better. I think that's important today as there's lots of information out there that can lead people on the wrong path. And I would love for more people to benefit from this type of content. All right, back to the show. Next up, we'll cover the checklists, which are the final step in the process for Monish. So first off, how did he come up with this checklist? He created it based on real losses that he or other big-name investors have had. He essentially looked at all the times that big-name investors have invested into a company where they ended up losing money. Then, he reverse-engineered the process to figure out why those losses happened. Some examples of case studies that he looked at were from Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, because they talk a lot about their mistakes. These include failed investments like Dexter Shoes, U.S. Air, Berkshire Mills, and NetJets. So Monish took a look at each of those and tried to figure out what caused the bad investment outcome, and then he added it to this checklist. An example is when Warren Buffett invested in Dexter Shoes. We covered this in a previous episode. Warren did not take into account that cheap foreign labor could provide similar shoes at much cheaper prices. So that's something that Monish looked at and added to his checklist. So for any investment going forward, he always asks if cheap foreign labor can somehow produce a product or service that's cheaper, would that be a problem for the company? And over time, Monish used his own experiences to add to the list as well. The final checklist had over 100 different questions. Monish didn't exactly say what questions are on there because that's his secret sauce for creating great returns. 
but he did share the overall categories to look at. The first category is about leverage. This is essentially looking to see if the business has too much debt and if the business might not have enough money to cover their interest expenses. That's a simple one that is very intuitive and a good checklist will look into this from various angles. If the business has high accounting earnings but is not generating cash and at the same time has lots of interest payments that they have to make, this could be a bad situation. I remember hearing about a railroad that was showing positive accounting income, but those were all accounting profits and it actually wasn't making any cash. Well, they had a bunch of interest payments that were coming up and they ended up going bankrupt. Taking on lots of debt for businesses can help because it can juice up their returns. It can give them capital so that they can make good investments. But at the same time, if they don't make enough money to pay off those interest payments, there could be trouble. Next up, a good checklist would look into moats and the competitive advantage that the business has. Is there a clear moat for the business? Is there a sustainable competitive advantage? Or is the business in a position where competitors can come in and take market share? Maybe there is a moat, but it's constantly shrinking. That's not a good situation because that means any excess returns that the business is earning are slowly being taken away by the competition. You don't want to be blockbuster when Netflix is quickly scaling and taking your market share. Blockbuster was the market leader, but their moat kept on shrinking and Netflix was quickly taking market share away from them. The last big category is management and ownership. Some obvious questions are, is the business mostly owned by the management of the company? It's usually a good sign when you see that. If the management of the business owns a ton of shares, they're going to do what's best for the shareholders because the incentives are aligned. As a simple example, when Bill Gates was actively involved in Microsoft, he owned a ton of stock and that was a really good sign because his incentives were aligned with the shareholders. If the CEO's compensation is mostly cash-based and they don't own any stock, then they're not going to be as driven to make the stock do well. Also, how is management compensated? Sometimes you have compensation get tied to the wrong thing. One simple example is if compensation is tied to revenue. That's not necessarily good because you can spend like crazy on marketing and increase revenues, but your profits will decrease. So you want the compensation to be in line with what the business should strive to accomplish. And the last category in Monish's checklists is to look at individual miscellaneous areas like unions, organized labor, environmental issues, and stuff like that. Now, there are lots of different investment checklists that you can find online. There's even a book on investment checklists. The book is literally called The Investment Checklist. It's written by Michael Sheeran, and I've heard that it's a good read. So I think it's a good idea to use somebody else's checklist as a template and then make changes to it and customize it to yourself. Everyone's checklist might be a little different depending on what types of industries and businesses they're familiar with. It will also differ based on the circle of competence and the investor's personal knowledge. But the important thing is to have a checklist and to keep tweaking it and making it better over time. Alright, so we've covered a few topics here, so let's go over some quick takeaways. Having a systematic investment process is really important. A checklist helps reduce the catheter infections and save thousands of lives. An investing checklist is a great tool to help reduce obvious investment mistakes.
A good way to structure the investment process is to say no to potential investments as quickly as possible. You don't want to waste time on companies that don't meet the investment criteria. And everyone's checklist can be different. For Monish, the top categories would have to do with leverage, moat and competitive advantage, and management and ownership. That's a good rough guide, but every investor's final version can be different. I also want to mention that if you've enjoyed this episode, I recommend you check out episode 19, where we discuss the mistake that Warren Buffett made when he bought Dexter's shoes. Monish uses that as a case study in his checklist, and I think there are some valuable lessons in that story for any investor. All right, Vision Nation, that wraps it up for this week's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button, leave a review, and if you know someone who's interested in investing, please share this episode with them. Thank you, and I hope you have an amazing day. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. I may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast. This show is copyrighted by the Wall Street Vision. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.